when I was living in Oregon a couple of years ago, the church in which I was serving had a cross up hanging up in the altar that was somehow contemporary. And we wanted to replace that cross for, for, for Lent, for a Lenten season with Father Ignacio, the priest that I was living with. But to change the cross was a lot of work. It was a heavy cross. It was really well attached. And, and it costed cost a, cost a lot of money. So we figured that we wouldn't do it. But we wanted to replace it with a more realistic cross. This cross tried to somehow depict the whole Pascal mystery as at once tried to depict the crucifixion, his res the resurrection, the ascension into heaven, all at once. You might have seen crosses like that, where Jesus is crucified, but at the same time he's seen risen already, and he's like, kind of like ascended into heaven. It was a beautiful cross, it's not an ugly cross, but for Lenten we wanted something more, more expressive of what really happened. One of those Spanish crosses, for example, you may have seen those really realistic. Because we wanted to be reminded and remind the people that we were serving the cruel agony that Jesus endured for our salvation. We don't want to forget that Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Father, was crucified, nailed to the wood of the cross, agonized for three hours, his life slowly fading away, suffering all kind of mockery while he was up there, naked, exposed, spitted, scorned, insulted, betrayed. And why is it that we don't want to forget the cross? Because he said that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so he would be lifted up. So we lift up the cross. We don't hide it. It's our pride. We look at the cross. We contemplate the cross. If you think about it, when you look at the cross, imagine that you were not a Christian, you know nothing about Christianity, you walk into the church and you see a statue of a man crucified. Isn't that pretty strange? That we have the cross at the center of our churches. We don't forget that Jesus died on the cross. We don't want to hide it. But on the contrary, in this Lenten season, we want to fix our eyes on the cross. He was lifted up between heaven and earth. And we are called, especially, most especially in this season, to contemplate the cross. Somehow, you know, the, the, the priest says, in the Mass, behold, after the consecration, behold the Lamb of God, and He shows the consecrated host so that we can contemplate the Lamb of God. Well, today we are called to contemplate the cross. In these readings, behold the cross. The cross has many, many lessons to teach us, of course. One, and very important one is the wickedness of sin, the density of sin, the thickness of sin. St. Paul, he was describing the Roman culture of the first century, 
and these words could be applied exactly, I think, very similarly to us. You know, he said, they are filled with every form of wickedness, evil, greed, and malice, full of envy, murder, rivalry, treachery, they are gossips, they hate God, they are insolent, boastful, rebellious, faithless, ruthless. Isn't this familiar? Could it be applied to us? We heard in the first reading from the second book of Chronicles. In those days, all the princes of Judah, the priests and the people, added infidelity to infidelity, practicing all the abominations of the nations and polluting the Lord's temple. Isn't this familiar? Doesn't sound well. It took the death of Christ on the cross to forgive our sins. The ones that we committed and the ones that we are still committing. We so much want to practice all the abominations of the nations around us. We so much want to mingle, to be like everyone else. And we became, in many ways, salt without flavor and light that doesn't enlight around us. It took the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to atone for our sins. If we are okay, if we're doing pretty good as a human race and as a church, then the cross doesn't make much sense. But if we are a crooked race, if our heart is twisted, if we're inclined to evil, if we are selfish and stupid in many ways, then the cross has a lot of meaning. It's very important. I came to understand a little bit more the meaning of the cross. Many years ago, I was recently ordained and I was serving at a state prison in Argentina. And we were organizing like a retreat for the inmates. And one man, man came to, for confession. He was touched by grace for the first time, time in his life. So you can imagine. So this man was pouring out all his sins, all the violence, all the wickedness that he had done to others and also that he had suffered. It was both ways. And he was really moved by repentance. It was a moment of salvation. And after he kept speaking and crying and outpouring his heart. I was just listening to him. He was done. And once, when he was done, I had to just give him the absolution, just pronounce the words, and I absolve you from your sins. And, and that was all that I could do. But it was too quick, and it was too easy. Because the salvation that God brought us is for free, but it's not cheap. So I didn't know what to do. There was that cross hanging on the wall. So I took that cross, cross like this, and I gave it to him. And I said, grab this cross, look at this cross, and I will come back in 15 minutes. So there I left him, in silence, looking at the cross, trying to understand where, from where, the source of the mercy that was going to be bestowed on him that day. It was not me for sure. I was just the 
mediation of that, of that mercy. And when I came back, he was still staring at the cross, and I gave him the absolution. It was a moment of freedom for him. Then I came to understand more the meaning of the cross. He took the cross to forgive our sins, and when we sin, we want the mercy that flows from the cross, not a cheap mercy, but a real mercy that is able to transform us. The second lesson is really connected with this. It's also very powerful, I think. The cross conveys, shows, depicts the immense love of God for us. The gospel said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the measure of the love of God for us. The cross is the icon of God's love for the world, for us, for each one of us. So you want to see how much God loves you? Look at the cross. Take your time and contemplate the cross. It could be a real cr cross that you have at your house or you can picture it in, in your mind. That's how much God loves you. You can ask him, Lord, how much do you love me? Look at the cross. Make some silence. Stay still before the cross and you will come to understand more. Not completely, for sure. We need to hear that again and again. That's why we have Lent every year. We need to, to, to let the message of the cross sink in, so to say. How much do you love me, Lord? And he answered this question in John 15. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. But then he says, and you are my friends. That's how much he loves us. Whenever you doubt the love of God, you have to look at the cross and stay still before it. The third lesson is, what do we have to do? How can I earn this love? How can I, how can I earn it? What do I have to do? And the answer is nothing. You don't have to do anything. You just have to believe, have to accept it. St. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from you. It's not your own work. It's not your own merit. It is the gift of God. So by grace, this is free. This is precisely the meaning of the word grace. It's a gift. It's a gift through faith. You receive it when you accept it. And sometimes it's not as easy to accept something for free. We feel more comfortable when we earn it, when we feel that we deserve it, not when we are overwhelmed by mercy. And this is the case with the love of God. We have to receive it with a humble heart. You know, Jesus is still, in a mysterious way, pending on the cross. The event of the cross was historical happened only once in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But the grace of his mercy is renewed in every day, most especially in every Mass. Because that is precisely what the Mass is. It's the, re the renewal of the grace 
of the mercy of God, of a forgiveness, the renewal of the cross. Because he's alive and resurrected, he can renew the sacrifice of the cross for us. He can say again, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. The love of God that was poured upon the world on the Calvary is poured upon us once again. The grace of his forgiveness, of his love, his mercy is renewed. So you just have to open your heart through faith and receive it with a grateful heart, with a humble heart. I'm sure when we receive a gift, that creates some commitment, that creates some bond. I remember we were raising money many years ago to build a church in Argentina, and this man came with a huge donation. And of course, that created a commitment. You receive a gift, you cannot just ignore the man the next day, right? That's why politicians shouldn't receive gifts, for example. It creates commitment. If we receive the love of God, such an immense gift, it creates something in us. We should be somehow committed and love back with Him. It's a good commitment. It's a commitment that makes us live and bear fruit. If you do not want any commitment, then you cannot love, nor receive love. Because love and commitment are two sides of the same coin. Uncommitted love, what is that? Nothing. And this is why St. Paul says in the second reading, For we are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for the good works that God had prepared in advance. So, by grace, through faith, for works. It was free, you receive it by faith, you accept it, so that you can become a disciple and bring about the kingdom in your life and around you. If we accept the cross, we become like new creatures. That's what St. Paul says. Something new happens in us. He said, I live no longer, but Christ lives in me, in Galatians 2.20. So I receive the gift of the cross of Christ, and now it's not me that lives anymore, but he lives in me. This changed radically our life, the orientation of our life. Or it's called to, to change it. When you are criticized, then you can say, it's not about me, it's about Jesus that lives in me. When you are praised, it's not about me. When you fail in an exam, it's not about me. When you pass your exam and you have received honor, it's not about me. When you are promoted, it's not about me. My life, my entire life, ceases to belong to me. And I come to be, I come to be a disciple of the Lord. It's about my mission. It's about how can I serve the Lord and serve others around me. They are where, where God planted me. It's about how can I bear more, more fruit. I think this sounds a little challenging, especially for a homily in a, in a Sunday Mass, right? It's maybe too intense. But these are the readings, what I'm going to do. These are the readings that, that we have to listen tonight. The church put this reading for us to reflect and it is true, it's a little extreme, it's not mild. Our faith is not a mild faith, a tame religion. It's extreme. It's wild. It's beautiful. It's life-changing. 